0: Welcome everybody to the Force Carry Podcast. I'm Jace Cobb, and with me as always is Steve Cook and Fats from the Internet. We took a week off to kind of wind down as the golf season ended, but we're back to preview the Greenbrier and talk about a few other things. But before we get into it, I haven't seen you on a while. So, Steve, anything
1: anything good been going on in your world? Oh, yeah. I um, I sit here as we talk in the center of the sports universe this week columbia south carolina um i'm not sure if you guys keep up with college football south carolina plays alabama this weekend so uh, i'm sure all eyes around the world will be on columbia at 3:30 this week uh it's game time um high i believe is at 96 so that should be fun only only 100 percent humidity though so um <laughs> that should be a good time so we've got we've got that going on in columbia and then I'm not trying to brag, but Hootie and the Blowfish ends their current tour in Columbia. They're obviously from Columbia. And uh, with concerts, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night, I will be in a luxury box uh, Thursday night um, celebrating the end of the tour with the guys. And um, I'll probably sing Hold My Hand out loud, and I'm not ashamed to say that. Is that you, your... you
2: don't want to be in the pit with all those crazy Hootie and the Blowfish fans. <laughs> they don't
1: have a pit, I don't think. I think it's just uh, the pit is uh, is a bunch of old guys uh, with flannel T shirts and, and uh, flannel shirts just hanging out on the floor. But uh, I'll be in the suite uh, drinking uh, the people that are were you know kind enough to host me. I'm going to drink everything in the entire suite and take many bottles with me on the way out as well.
0: What is uh,
1: I'm sure you've seen Hootie a few times live. Uh, being from where you're at. Uh, yeah, I've probably seen Hootie like 30 times. Uh, we, I mean, I, they don't play a lot of concerts anymore. I, I, um, like being in Columbia, like they're, they're still around. So like, I'll get to go to these little private concerts. They actually do a really cool golf related event. That I've been to for like five years in a row. They didn't do it this year because they kicked off this actual tour they did for the first time. I went to the tour in uh, Atlanta, and then I'll obviously go to this one in Columbia. But good lord, this is like a hoodie and the Blowfish uh, podcast. But uh, they they do this thing every year. It's at Bulls Bay, which is in Adondale, outside of South uh, Charleston, South Carolina. They do a collegiate tournament. It's the Bulls Bay Invitational. Get a bunch of cool big colleges down here. USC's won it a couple times, but they have a concert. The, the I think it's the Friday night before the tournament, which is like Saturday, Sunday, and they do it. It's like a private concert. They don't sell any tickets, and it's just hilarious. You got Darius Rucker, who's like one of the biggest – I mean, it's country music, but he's a big, huge star, and he's sitting here. There's 250 people in this venue. It's unbelievable, and 100 of them are these college golfers that are in the front row down there. They couldn't. They don't even care. I mean, I've never. It's just amazing to watch a bunch of 19-year-old kids literally view the concert through their iPhone. I'm like, where are you posting that? I mean, I, I'm sitting there enjoying it, singing, holding hands with my wife, singing along these songs, and uh, Darius's beautiful ballads are just wasted on these punk kids uh, who, you know, are just there to have a golf tournament. And I will say. That the life of a nineteen-year-old, twenty-year-old college elite collegiate golfer, they have very high-level groupies. Is that fair to say? No, I mean you know whatever. Um, lady friends. Uh, <laughs> it's impressive to see. Yeah, I wish I was. There. That's the uh,
0: first I believe CD that I ever purchased with my own money. So been a Hootie fan
1: for a long time.
0: Never seen him live, unfortunately. But strong. Darius
1: is. Darius's voice is uh he's he's he could uh he, if I could lay down in his arms and he could sing me to sleep every night. <laughs> yes, very, very silky smooth oh Darius. Sometimes I have my earbuds in and I imagine that he's singing to me personally but when he sings Let her cry and I weep myself to sleep. Not at tears of, you know, pain or sadness or sorrow, but tears of just joy of the beautiful, you know, sultry voice that that he has but uh, that's probably enough Hootie and the Blowfish. Make sure you annotate uh, where we ended the Hootie and the Blowfish uh, talk so the Clemson fans can skip past that.
0: I'm sure our demographic runs very close with Hootie's uh, target demographic, so I think we'll be okay. Fats, you doing anything fun?
2: No, my fantasy football season might as well be over, so that's good. I don't have to be worried about, distracted about that. I I think my team may have scored 65 points this week. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Who cares about football? It's a— it's a Neanderthal sport. I want to focus all of my attention on a real, artful display of athletic ability. And that's why
0: I'm glad we're going to West Virginia this week. <clears throat> the slow-twitch capital of the world at the Greenbrier. Uh, yeah, well, how how is your fantasy uh, season already over in football? I mean,
2: I'm pretty sure my bench outscored my starters. My bench may have outscored half the teams in the league, but it, it's just more of a. I'm I'm just tired of football. I'm tired of fantasy football. I'm I'm tired of the losers who get really excited about fantasy football. I'm tired of people asking you what you think about their fantasy football team because no one cares about anybody's team but their own. The people listening to this right now don't care about my team. No, no one cares about your fantasy football team no. except for you, but somehow it continues to grow larger and larger and larger. It becomes more and more unavoidable. I, I enjoy doing it. It's fun getting together for the, the draft, getting together with your friends. It's fun to keep in touch with people you don't see as much anymore, but outside of your own league, no one cares about your fantasy team. So that's just my my bitter public service announcement to anyone out there listening No one cares about your fantasy football
1: team. I think fantasy football talk is exactly like talking about your last round of golf. Like nobody wants to hear, man, if I would have started this dude, I would have gotten 20 points and clipped this guy by three. It's like nobody cares. You can come up with a million scenarios where it it could relate to you. Just like nobody cares that you hit the ball O B on 16 – to shoot your you would have shoot your best round ever or won this this hole or something nobody cares so don't tell tell me about your round of golf and don't tell me about your fantasy football team and this is coming from a person who has spent at least 20 minutes on this podcast explaining his own rounds of golf so i'm fully aware nobody cares um and i will don't think we should waste any time telling people about how our fantasy team did this week even though mine scored 175 points and i won by 45. (laughs) I've got a perfect segue from that. I got invited
0: to a um sixteen team sixteen team ten player fantasy golf um pool this year. You pick your team and you pick your players. You don't get to trade, you don't get to do anything. It lasts all year long. So you're stuck with your ten players for the rest of the year. I'd pick fifteen. I'd forgotten that I'd signed up to do this. I was in I think Sonoma County at the time with very little cell phone service whenever the draft took place. So I had to do the best I could with basically memory. So, Fats, I was going to run through my 10-player uh, t- team real quick and just quickly get your uh, thoughts on what I got to look forward to for the rest of the season.
2: See, this is a fantasy conversation worth having. This is one I'm actually excited to hear about. No one cares about football. I want to hear, you said, what pick did you say you
0: had? I had the 15th pick. Of sixteen teams. Jesus Christ! So keep in mind, there are <laughs> 160 golfers. <laughs> there going to
2: be people with people without even full status. that are going to be on these teams.
1: Correct. Yes, plenty of w- those. It was a snake. It was a snake draft, right? It's, like you got fifteen, and then like the seventh or eighteenth pick.
0: Yeah, yeah. At least the first two rounds, I kind of got lost <laughs> after those. You like have said, no idea. I was in and out what of service. Ra- what
1: round? What round did you take speed?
0: Second round. <laughs> Of course. Uh, <laughs> well, with the,
1: 19th, with the 18th pick in the draft, I'll take the 50th ranked player in the world. Well, you know, I,
2: I, you know who I would have my heart set on you taking if he was there at 15. I, I don't know if he would be there at 15, but if he was, please tell me that you were able to salvage your speed second round pick. It's not going to kill you. Because you were able to take Webb in the first round,
0: that's exactly who I took in the first round. Yes, Webb. Webb was somehow around at fifteen, and I thought about picking Wolf because he was around, but I went with Mister Dependable and I went with Webb. I was hoping to take Wolf with my pick after that, but he got taken, so I ended up going with Spieth. Uh, the guy after me goes Wolf hovlin back to back, but anyways, that's not important. I went did with Tiger.
1: Go did Tiger go earlier? tiger which is, which is awful because he's of all the golfers in that top little tier he's i mean he's the only guy that's like not gonna, i mean he's not gonna finish high in a bunch of tournaments right so he had but somebody d- did the whole like fantasy football thing where they draft like Mahomes with the second pick that's just like a homer kind of thing i mean
0: yeah tiger got picked or uh late in the second round
1: Okay. All right. Well, that was. Okay. okay. That, this is
0: right between yellow. Chez Reeve and Louis Oosthuizen. <laughs> <Tigers>. <laughs> that is some strong company to keep. Okay. Well, let me run through my 10 real quick. And keep in mind, this is a lot of golfers. So overall, I think I did all right. All right. Webb Simpson was my number one pick. A plus. Jordan Spieth is my number two pick. D, D minus. Plus. <laughs> Joaquin Neiman is my third round pick. A, a minus. minus. Uh, Emiliano Grio, fourth round. I mean, never my, know, never my
2: heart says B+. Plus. Watching him putt says like a solid C.
0: He was in the C.T. Pan, Cameron Champ, Adam Long. Oh, no, you,
2: you did good. You that, did good.
0: Okay. Then after him, I had the Golden Pair, Bo Hustler. He was Donald in like D. a Fratelli, Adam Hadwin, Harold Varner type category in that round.
2: I, um... Just to give you an I idea, noticed, That's... I noticed on his PGA player profile picture that the golden pair was—is he rocking a goatee now? Yes. Like he—he he may have hit like a late stage puberty and is about to like storm the tour now that he's what three years removed from that horrible, horrendous shoulder injury. Yes. Um, went, went back to the corn Ferry tour, and it only took him one tournament to accrue enough points to get back on the PGA tour. So he may be about ready to, to go on a tear this year.
1: I think so. You'll love talking about Hostler, the golden pair. Yeah. He he's, was, sp- uh, yeah, he's not tearing into anything except for fast food rappers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he was in kind of a, let's see, Zach Johnson, Wyndham Clark, Bud Colley type pool there. Eh, yeah. Then I went with Duffner surprisingly for fats. He's going to, he's going to have to save his career this year. So I'm riding Duffner. Uh, He
2: is. um, Maybe, maybe this is his, this is going to be his last chance because I don't know if he'll ever get his card back if he loses it.
0: Okay. I got burger after that, which I thought was a good pick in that round. I do like that. Four, five, six, seven. That's been seven. Seventh round burger. Eighth round. I went Maverick McNeely. Yep. Ninth round Brunson Burgoon, And my last pick was Martin Keimer. I know he's not going to play a lot, Ah, but he did not play a lot over here.
1: He could pop in some majors though. I mean, yeah,
0: that's what I was thinking. In the 10th round, he's the only guy that has a chance to win a major. I mean, he's going up against the Doug Gims, Zach Blairs, Fabian Gomez's of the world. So I like that pick in the 10th round. Overall, it's kind of hard to pick out of that many players, especially when you aren't keeping up with notes and you're just kind of freewheeling, but. Spieth was probably the only pick that I didn't love, and if I'm going to be a hundred percent honest, I mostly picked him for this podcast because there was Hovland and Morikawa and Fleetwood available, and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to pick somebody that would at least bring some joy to, uh, to uh, this podcast for the year. So I rolled with well, Spieth.
2: A good thing with Spieth, and I have no idea how this scoring system is set up, but
0: we we uh, a really joke about
2: how. Okay, so we like to joke about how many tournaments Sunjay M played last year. Spieth may have to play every single week just to try to keep his card. So you're you may get 35 swings at him at least trying to accrue some money, and maybe he can make some cuts mm-hmm. and trip into a few pops.
1: As as long as the league doesn't heavily penalize quadruple bogeys, Spieth's a decent pick. But yeah. if if there's some kind of quadruple bogey penalty, whew, I mean, he could really screw you up.
0: Yeah. Only money, so yearly money. You know, he'll win. We'll see. It'll be a – I like some of the picks a lot. I really was happy to steal Neiman in the third round because the way he kind of finished last season, I think that's a good value pick in that round against the likes of, like, Charles Howell, Kokrak.
2: Well, not to to spoil anything, but he's going to win this week, so you're going to be in first after this week.
0: Perfect. Yeah, that'd be good. Anyways, that was 160 players. That's a lot of people to – to be picked. There are some people that I've actually never even heard of that got drafted. So we'll, uh, you know, that'll be something to keep up with a little bit as the year goes on. So we'll see. Did Spencer get drafted? <laughs> I thought about calling Spencer to help me with my team, but
1: yeah. Spencer wouldn't get drafted in a top 160 of my friends' league.
0: <laughs> you played a Spencer any lately, Steve?
1: No, uh, I ditched him on Friday to play in a Captain's Choice tournament. I hope you're not listening, Spencer, but uh, I did not have to go to work. (laughs) I was invited to play in a Captain's Choice tournament, and uh, I realized why I hate doing that, um, because all you do is you drink more beer than you play uh, golf holes. So it is fun in a different way. Sorry, Spencer.
0: Good. Well, I guess we can move on to a little bit of golf. Not a whole lot's happened in the last two weeks golf-wise, but I did see... Something I'm sure Steve has some thoughts on. uh, Kuchar, uh recently was getting uh, making some fratelli esque moves. You know, not exactly breaking the rules, but taking some creative liberty against the spirit of the game. I guess you could say. Uh, Steve, why don't you explain that situation and and offer any thoughts you might have on on Kucher?
1: Yeah, so I'm certainly no rules expert, but uh, you know, the rule change this year or last year was that. You can remove loose impediments in a bunker. You Used to be able to not remove anything from a bunker, so you get no a bunker. And there's a rock behind your ball, a leaf, whatever. You can't move it. So that's what the rule is there for: move a rock, move a leaf, move a twig that fell off a tree. Kutcher gets down by his ball and starts building a freaking sandcastle. Uh just like I, I, I mean, I, I don't. You have to see it for. I, there's no way to explain it, but he, you know, moved at least a hundred. know, loose impediments, which were grains of sand. And even the announcers were calling him out on it. Uh, They're just like, yeah, if he just sits there long enough, it'll be on a tee. Uh, It was awful. Uh, He's an awful person. Um, I don't know how anybody the tour tries to shove him down your throat as a popular golfer simply because he's got a name that is easy for 45-year-old loser golf fans. The kind of guys who ask players for fist bumps when they go by the ropes so they can yell "cooch" after he does anything, and he can t- look over with his aw shucks grin, and you know, like he just accidentally made a putt or something. Uh, I hate the guy, and you should hate him too. And I'm not talking to you guys; I mean, anybody out there within this earshot. Um, this guy needs—he's entering Sergio territory for the worst guy in golf.
2: Is there? But you don't have to tell me twice to hate him. I am already
0: there. Is there any? person at a pro event that yells cooch that does not wear golf shoes to the golf tournament to watch him gotta be no. less gotta be less than five percent i would imagine every Coocher fan goes to golf tournaments in full golf attire shorts
1: tucked in white belt and golf shoes probably sketchers they reach over the ropes try to high five other 40 year old men And when they actually get a high five, they stare back at the palm of their hand like they just touched the Mona Lisa. It's pathetic. I
2: I don't remember which tournament it was. It was. It's been a couple of years, but we either started texting and talking about it because we all noticed it at the same time. One of those losers at a tournament actually had a golf glove in his pocket,
1: and I don't think (laughs) I don't don't believe
2: you. I'm I don't think to... he was somebody who got – I mean, maybe Phil hit him in the head and he came through earlier and signed the glove and gave it to him. But there was a loser standing there reaching over for a fist bump with a golf glove in his back pocket. So I don't know if he was waiting to get tagged in to hit a shot, but I guarantee you that guy yells cooch every time he sees Matt Kuchar on his TV
1: screen. I mean, that's, that's like the guy that brings the first base mitt to a baseball game, right? Not with your kid, not with your kid. I mean, when you're out with your buddies, and you're going to, you know, try to snag a foul ball. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with that foul ball from the Orioles-Blue Jays game? What are you going to do with it? I mean, you should use it to kill yourself. (laughs) If you have a ball retriever in your bag, you might be a Kuchar fifth. Again, the dude dresses... And looks like the neighborhood dad walking into the front yard trying to figure out the neighborhood kid stole the beer out of his fridge. And he's just like, oh, what's going on? I, I just uh, I I've got no love for Kuchar. Uh It doesn't make it any better to know that he probably made $5 million on tour alone last year. So uh, let's let's move on before I get depressed.
0: Yeah, I never liked Kucher. And speaking of another older guy that the tour shoves down your throat, I never really liked Phil yet. Uh, My whole life until recently, and you want to talk about two people that have gone completely different directions in their older age, Phil's recent social media, and and we've long texted each other that Phil might be kind of either losing it or has lost it over the last probably two years, and kind of the culmination of all those events of him just putting, hitting balls on the green, just illegally teeing off, doing all these weird things. acting weird has just culminated into his Twitter account now. And it is, it is a content goldmine. And I don't know if everybody's kept up with his fireside chats and him just responding to random people and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, Phil's content on Twitter has completely changed my opinion on Phil. And I'm interested to see if either one of y'all feel that way or had similar thoughts about Phil like I
1: had before his recent social media onslaught lately. Okay. I I just got to throw this out there. I don't, you know, If you're a Twitter person, fine. If you're not, whatever. But as we are talking about this, I'm watching a post that Phil put up on August 27th. Not sure if you're familiar. He's jogging down the beach, wearing – holding free weights, like a couple dumbbells in his arms, like like an old lady speed walking in the mall. And he's – whoever's filming him, he slows it into slow motion and makes them – isolate his calves and do a slow-mo <laughs> on his calves. I mean, it's – I, I got to be honest with you. If we're ranking Twitter, like effective Twitter, like Twitter that actually – I mean, it might be Trump 1, Mickelson 2 as far as the – I mean, the amount of, like, reaction he can get. I mean, it's, uh, it's just unbelievable. I mean, whoever's – if he's not running it himself, whoever it is needs to make themselves known – and they need to be hired by everybody that wants to improve their Q, Q rating, like twenty points. So it's funny
2: that you mentioned Kuchar, and we talked about how he's the goofy, old, out of touch guy that all the—he's the dad that everyone that everyone follows. My, I never really liked Phil because he was one of my dad's favorite golfers. All my dad's friends, he was their favorite golfer. When I would play with them, they would talk about how much they liked Phil. It, he was just goofy and corny, and he had, like, very little appeal to me. And that changed when he walked out in that leather jacket on the Faraday interview. And I think leather jacket Phil murdered old Phil, and this new Phil that took his place is amazing and just grows yes. on me more and more each time I come across any ridiculous thing he's doing.
1: Yeah, I, Can we name this Phil? It's HGH Phil. <laughs>
0: Okay, he's like Carell in that movie with Gosling. What's that movie? Where his wife know, cheats I mean, on him, he changes his whole life and turns he's out Cali.
1: Just, he's yeah. got he's got all those rejuvenation testosterone clinics. He, I'm telling you, he's got the dough. This is HGH, Phil. This is like this is like Phil, like Iron Man, Phil. He's better at 50 or whatever he is than he was at 25 when he was a pudgy kind of you know kid.
0: And his, I think his calf shots are a little bit. I think he's firing a little subliminals to Tiger. It's well documented. Tiger has calves that look about like mine. No calves, and that he's a little bit embarrassed of them. And I think, I don't think Phil would ever uh, not jump at an opportunity to kind of uh, take a little shot at Tiger whenever he can, because he seems to be over, you know, overly proud of his calves. And I'm sure he's made some comments to him over the years about it. But yeah, he's not many people have done a 180 for me as fast as phil has done recently so good to see all that content he has on his uh social media page anyways we might as well uh talk about the golf tournament this week it's been a while since we've had a golf tournament we're at the Greenbrier, which is an interesting place cool course course that i've always liked um to watch uh on tv it plays well for me on tv it looks like a Looks like an interesting place. I know Fats probably has some good gambling info, but before we get to that, I would, Steve might have some thoughts on the Greenbrier and I'd be anxious to see if
1: he, you know, watches the tournament has any thoughts on the location, the course, anything like that. Well, well Fats and I had a little uh, conversation earlier. We were trying to, I mean, we can't figure out who's going to be the first to, to to hit this off the tee. Do you want to hit one off the tee real quick and I'll just kind of see if I can follow up? I mean,
2: so the One, I just like the name. It's not your normal golf tournament name. We're not playing at whatever, whatever. We're not playing at the the Masters. We're not playing at the US Open. We're playing a military tribute at the Greenbrier. So the first thing we need to do is we need to support the troops. And I think I speak for all of us here on the Forest Carry Podcast. We support the troops. We love the troops. So yay for a military tribute at the Greenbrier. Thank
1: Thank you for your service.
2: Yes. The course we're playing at now is the old white TPC at the Greenbrier Resort in white Sulphur Springs, West Virginia. So this may be controversial opinion alert, but for me, I think it's nice to be back on a white course. I think we can all agree that if there's one thing we need more of in golf, it's old whites.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I just, I, I don't even know where to start. I mean, A course called Old White in West Virginia, I would assume most people assume it's named after heroin or opiate abuse. Um, (laughs) But regardless, I I, kind of did a little deep dive on the Greenbrier. I'd like to share some of that with you guys if I can. Um, You know, uh, just echoing what Fat said, I think that, you know the PGA a lot of times has these grow the game initiatives and they're trying not to be stuffy and old and, you know, country club And, uh, you know, nothing says grow the game, like holding the first tournament of the year at a luxury resort in the West Virginia mountains built by turn of the century railroad tycoons with a golf course called the old white. Um, I mean, I think we can all agree that that is going to suck inner city kids into the game left and right. Um, as long as they could somehow find a way to drive 12 hours from where they live and spend $2,000 a night on a hotel room, they might get the chance to play this golf course. Um, but, you know, what's crazy about it is, so this place, I just thought it was just some cool old resort that had a nice golf course that the guys like to go play, and that's why they have this tournament. But it's got a quite a sordid uh, history. Um, so I'll run through it real quick. First of all, it was the area was settled by some old I'm assuming white lady in the 1700s who uh <laughs> adopted the local Amer- native american tradition of taking the waters because it's built on a sp- the, the area is like has a spring of sulfur water that naturally comes up or whatever to relieve her chronic rheumatism. I assume that like you know that's just an old white lady 1770s catch-all disease but anyway they named this white sulfur springs um so anyway, a big uh, family of uh, Baltimore family built a little resort on it. They already started having presidents almost immediately uh, stay at the resort. Uh, 1858, they built a huge uh, hotel building on the property, naming it The Old White. Um, then during the Civil War, which you know obviously happened right after that, the Confederate Army and the Union Army battled over this piece of property, and it changed hands a couple times, and the uh, Confederate Army almost burned it to the ground. But we're uh, run off. Then after the Civil War, um, Robert E. Lee stayed at this resort for a long period of time and wrote his only political paper he ever published, and it was called the White Sulphur Manifesto, which um, it, it's again it sounds like a mass shooter kind of deal, and you know like you know something you write from your prison cell. Your Supermax or whatever, but uh, it actually was a nice, a nice uh, manifesto uh, that advocated the merging of the north and the south into one society. Uh, anyway, so blah blah blah. Uh, some railroad tycoons bought this at the turn of the century, built the current hotel, which has been added on to multiple times, and um, they built the golf course. Charles McDonald, pretty well-known golf course architect, built the golf course. And the original course is today known as the Old White TPC. I mean, what a, what a, just that name just rolls off the tongue, you know? Um, Multiple branding
2: opportunities there.
1: Oh, so much. The Old White Players Course. The Old White (laughs) Players Course. It kind of sounds like a strip club, you know? Uh, So then, in World War II... This uh, the Greenbrier actually served as a relocation center, which is a nice way to say internment camp, for Axis diplomats who were in the United States and were interned as enemies of the United States. So, in other words, wait, wait,
2: wait, wait, wait. time out. Did we not just have an internment camp in where was it? Was it Liberty National a few weeks back?
1: Yes, Liberty National was an internment camp for Italians in World War II. So, obviously. The PGA Tour is big on internment camps. I mean, it's very, I mean, you know, it's very relevant. It's in the news, you know. Um, maybe they wanted it, but regardless. So this place has been, you know, used as a as an internment camp for, for diplomats. But I think it's nice that instead of just putting people in pens, like they did Japanese people on the West Coast, they, they sent the diplomats to the freaking Greenbrier with a golf course. And they're like, you got to stay here for a while. You know, like that's not a huge, uh, huge problem. Uh, Huge problem for them, I guess. And then blah blah. You know, I think people realize that the Greenbrier was actually they the government built a nuclear war uh, facility underneath. They were going to sh- take the whole Congress there and keep them. So this property, it may or may not have been built by the Illuminati. Illuminati. And I would I would just as you're watching this golf tournament, just keep you know keep an eye out for secret symbols, pyramids, eyeballs, <laughs> uh, goat heads. Things like that, um, I don't trust it, and um, I don't know if the PGA Tour is complicit or just being duped by these uh, this group of international railroad tycoons that built this place. But regardless, this is not your run-of-the-mill golf course built by a bunch of rich guys. This has got a seedy underbelly of, um, of white nationalist um, undertones, in my opinion.
2: So I've, I've done deep dives on the Denver International Airport, but I'm, I've never done one on the old white TPC at the Greenbrier Resort. But I have some Internet research ahead of me this weekend.
0: Be, pay special attention to how Kuchar arranges the loose impediments at a bunker. Because <laughs> he could be throwing some symbols out there for you people. And just, to and just
1: watch, watch how far you go down the rabbit hole, because you might not want to—you might not— want to know what you find out.
0: Yes. Well, Fats, do you have anything to say about the Old White Tournament Players Club course? Um I think Tournament Players Club. I think I said the Players Course, but TPC, the Tournament Players Club uh this week.
2: Well, um the first thing is I am reconsidering um <laughs> my thoughts on Harold varner this week, but we can get to that when we get to the actual players. The it's a par 70, 7,292 yards with bent grass greens. So again, no Bermuda, which makes me sad, but we'll get by. It's long for a par 70, but it plays at elevation. It plays around, I think it's around 2,000 feet above sea level. So the distance isn't as big of a deal as you would think when you look at the almost 7,300 yards for a par 70. It's a resort course. So the fairways are a little more generous than normal. The greens are a little above average too large. The only real trouble area is the bunkers around the green are very deep. They're difficult to play out of. But if you're playing out of the bunkers, you're in trouble anyway because everyone's hitting these fairways. Everyone should be hitting these greens, big greens. So if you're if you're playing from the bunkers, they're tough to play from, but you're already in trouble because you're losing strokes just because you're not making birdies. Um, I said the greens are bent grass. They aren't super fast. They'll play 11, 11 and a, 11 and a half or so on the stint meter, but they can be tricky just because they're so large. So it's not enough just to hit the greens, but you have to hit it close, <clears throat> excuse me. So it's a, the recipe is simple. You hit fairways, hit your wedges close, make putts, should be easy. Um, with course history, um, you want to consider that the course was essentially rebuilt after the, the just the massive flooding in 2016, the event was canceled in 2016. So if you're looking back through course history and you see that there was no event there is because there was terrible flooding in this area and maybe I get maybe restored is a better word than rebuilt because they they built it pretty much back to its original state. Um, the yardages are similar. The Greens are similar. I, I don't think that they necessarily lost many trees or anything in the flooding. It's mainly just the ground and grass that they had to move and, and get back to where they wanted it to be. The course history for the winners. The winners are all over the map. So the last five years you, you've had Kevin Nawin, Xander, Danny Lee and and Cabrera. Uh, it's it's just all guys, young guys, journeymen, e- Anyone who shows up and plays well this week can win. The course will allow for for all types of players to play well. It's a, it's a weaker field, but you also have a lot of the corn fairy grads that are out this week, which I'm excited to see. So it, it's going to be guys on a leaderboard that you've never heard of, or that you haven't heard of for a couple of years that you thought weren't even playing golf anymore. It, it's a wide open tournament with the lack of strokes gained data from the corn fairy guys. I'm not going to go just super, super stat heavy I'll I'll use some stats more so for a baseline just to establish kind of the kind of guys that I think should play well here and then how they normally fit at this course. And then I'll look at how they've done the last 50 rounds, 24 rounds, 12 rounds or so just to establish some trends and the direction that they are moving. And from there, I'm just going to take guys who are who are in form with kind of a lean towards Wedge players and putters.
0: Okay. Okay. And you're betting DraftKings. You betting any other stuff this week? How How are you betting on the uh, <clears throat> Greenbrier? So, there
2: are a few guys that I want to take advantage of coming from the Corn Fairy before some of these numbers adjust. I was I was kind of surprised that Sheffler was the 10th highest priced golfer in the field, which surprised me. There are people who are all over him. They know who he is, but there are some names that are way down at the bottom in 6K range and then have long, long odds that I don't know that they will win the tournament, but it won't surprise me if they win the tournament. And I would rather take the chance on them now before their odds adjust. So the two names that I would give people to look at are Robbie Shelton and Christopher Ventura. Robbie Shelton's three hundred to one to win. Christopher Ventura is one seventy-five to one to win. I will bet both of them. It will not surprise me if they they have a couple of good showings in this fall schedule, and it will be tough to get either of them in triple digits consistently uh, once the calendar turns over. So you want to play some of these guys before people catch up to them and daily Robbie Shelton 6400 Christopher Venture 6300 I will play a ton of them they're gonna be guys at the bottom of the card and in doing that you can throw in a couple other guys down there I like like my man Roger Sloan at 6500 Sean Stephanie at 6700 like I will play all four of those guys a ton and in doing so you can really go, heavy at the top and build a lot of just stars and scrubs lineups. How much um, you want me to jump around or how deep do you want me to get into some of these different tiers? Yeah, I think you run through. So at the very top, looking at guys 9,000 and above, it's 14 golfers. There are going to be four that I focus on. The the guy I play the most is going to be Joaquin Neiman. And as I told you earlier, he's 22 to one to win, and I will bet him outright. And then Scotty Scheffler will be the fourth guy I bet to win outright, and he's 40 to one. So just to recap for anybody following, as I jumped around, the the main bets I'm going to have: Neiman to win, he's 22 to one; Scheffler to win, he's 40 to one; Ventura to win, he's 175 to one; and Shelton to win, he's 300 to one. That those are really the guys that I'm going to be betting on this week. In DraftKings, guys at the top, Neiman is my favorite play this week. He's at 9,700. He's probably going to be the most popular guy in this price range, him or Hovland. But Hovland is at 10,900. So the $1,200 cost savings, I'd rather drop down and play more Neiman. My second favorite guy is going to be Ben on at 9,500. And then I will play Hovland and I will play just a, a tinge of Sun J M at $9,800. Uh, Scheffler's at 9300 and and I will play him some on DraftKings, but I'm really going to bet him more. I don't like his price being that high compared to some of the other guys in his price range, and I think there will be people excited to play him. I've been talking about him for a month how I couldn't wait to play him on DraftKings, and then they did a very good job of pricing him up, where he should be i really expected him to be 8200 maybe 8100 and he's up at 9300 where he should be so it's kind of turned me off of him a little bit um dropping down a little there aren't too many people in that seven and eight k range that jump out to me that i really like that's why i'm going to go down and play a lot in the 6000 range which will give me enough money to play three of these guys at the top. So you can easily fit in a lineup with uh, M Neiman and Ben on, or if you want to play hobland, you want to play co you can play three of those guys, and then still find guys in the $6,000 range to fill out your lineups. And there's a, a large enough spread in the potential value at the bottom that you can really build any type of lineup that you want this week. So I'm I'm excited to really dig into it and see how the lineups come together because you'll be able to play anyone you want to play this week.
0: Will will any thoughts of the Illuminati influence change any of the um, the people that you have? You're looking at Tringales, close to Triangle.
2: Okay, so I can't believe you said that because in that $7,000 range, There are two guys that I'm definitely going to play. One is Andrew Landry at 7,400. The second is Cameron Tringali at 7,300. But now I may have to up my exposure to him because of the Tringali triangle, and I may end up having to play, I don't know, 60% Cameron Tringali this week, which is more than I anticipated. But that's okay. I'll just get rid of some Bud Collie stock, get rid of some Sebastian Munoz stock, and we'll move it over to Cameron Tringali instead.
0: Any southern Germans, any Bavarians in the uh, field this week to uh, we need to, to look after? Hmm, <laughs> I'm
2: scanning to see if any names jump out at me that we want to. Um, Sepp Straka is not German, but he is European. I knew I don't know if he was on the good side or the bad side though. I need to do some more, de- some more digging on Sepp Straka. He's a good, strong Georgia boy, so. Whatever bad faults he had before he came over here to play golf, I'm sure we took care of him and got him
1: straightened out on the straightened narrow.
0: I'm fresh out of uh, Illuminati references. I don't know if Steve has well, any more. Well,
1: but... I, I, I've, I've, you know, <clears throat> obviously Fats digs deep on this stuff. And uh, this week, just as I peruse the field, you know, it's a real who's who of uh who the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> because i've only heard of like three or four of these guys uh i mean obviously more than that but man it is it is not uh a, a parade of stars i think the only guy that is probably in the top 20 is is De, uh DeChambeau, uh bryson right i mean is there anybody in the top yeah. 20 besides them
2: i'm pretty sure the next highest ranked guy in the official world golf rankings is leishman and he's Mid twenties, twenty four, twenty five, yes. and and playing terribly. So I, I'm baiting Leishman. Bryson is yeah. the most expensive golfer in the field. That that says all you need to know about the tournament. That Bryson is the most
0: expensive golfer in the field.
1: Jimmy Walker, yeah, this is this, the vacation is circuit pre-
0: champ in the field this week. Sorry, Steve.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, I mean no, that's that's you're right. That's that's what we're looking at. I mean this is a um, this is an NFL preseason game too. Um, you know, the people, uh, the the studs are still on vacation, uh, you know, and more power to them. There's a ton of the guys that just, I'm looking through here and almost every name that, uh, that just qualified, that just got their their tour card is is in the tournament. And why shouldn't they? I mean, the the purse is still pretty damn big, especially compared to what these guys were playing for a few weeks ago. Um, I was, are you taking shots at the military, Steve? Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) I, 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 love the military. I just mean I just mean what these guys were playing for in the Corn Ferry Tour weeks ago. I'm pretty sure if you win every tournament on the Corn Ferry tour, you make $33,000 a year. Um, but now these guys can make $33,000 for coming in 77. So, I uh just looking here. I'm trying and I can't. Uh, I was hoping to be able to find a player whose first or last name started with a Q. Um, and if I could have found that, I figured that would be <laughs> Where this, 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 uh, you know, Illuminati or Secret Society could come in. There's no Q players in the field. And if you see a player, make a Q with his hand or anything like that, just you might want to, want to, want to lock into him because this is a very government related, uh, tournament. So I like, for no particular reason, normally I would not feel the need to weigh in on this, but I'm not sure if people will remember, but I did pick two of the last three winners, uh, during the season. I mean, I'm a,
2: Dude, you're, exactly. you're still hot.
1: Yeah, I cooled off probably, but let's see if I can uh, heat everything back up. Um, I like Cam Smith. What's wrong with that? That guy's good. Nothing. But I'm he's very good. But I'm going. But I'm going Kevin Na. I think Kevin Nye wins it. I think this is one the – I think there's got a lot of those guys that are like you were saying uh, coming off the Corn Fairy Tour that just got their card. They're playing. They're like their games are about as maxed out as they can be. But man, it's a lot of pressure to change over from that. So I uh, I like Kevin Na. I think he's a he's a good guy. He might be the best golfer in the field besides Bryson. Uh, so I'll take Kevin Na this week. And I don't have any data to back that up whatsoever, nor would I even try.
0: I'm going to go with Neiman, only because I'm going to be pulling for him because he's on my team. That'd be a good start to the season, get my money on the vacation tour. So yeah, I just want to throw this out there.
1: Cameron Tringali, do mm-hmm. you know – what his sponsor is what's on his shirt nope nautica (laughs) oh Oh, no way i don't don't know if tj maxx is on the hat but he's got a nautica shirt so anyway i just felt like i throw that out there so i'm sorry to i don't know if that blows you know i feel like sometimes on these i just end up blowing one of your picks right out of the water but uh there's no way a guy with a Nautica shirt is holding up a trophy this week.
0: <laughs> when was the last time not, you put not, on
1: a Nautica shirt, Steve? I know you have. Just on <laughs> middle school probably. Yeah. I uh I think I actually had a white button up that when I was working like as a server back in like, in college, I had a, a Nautica button up. But navy blue cells. Yeah, they shirt. just they're just they're just so loud with that cheesy logo, you know? Man, I remember back in middle school, you had a Nautica polo. I mean, you had to beat the girls off with a stick. You know what I'm saying?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Anyway, well, it's no Tommy Hilfiger, mm-hmm. but it's still, you know, Note lower level. Shit. Yeah. Well,
0: I don't have much else to say this week. I'm, I'm excited for the Greenbrier. Steve hates it. Steve's anti-military. Fats is excited for it, so... I'm excited to uh, get the new golf season kicked off, even if it is the uh, vacation circuit. And I, I like to poke fun at golfers that make their living on the vacation circuit. But I got nothing to say. You're, they're they're you're, still
2: making a good living.
0: South Carolina big this week. Fats, how's your uh, college football team doing? Who are they, uh, who are they playing?
2: As, as, what is the best word for it? As painfully, um, I, I just hate guys. They, he has robbed all the joy of college football, and, and they're very good. The defense is unbelievable, and he's going to win plenty of games, and they're just going to be miserable to watch. If I have to watch another 24-6 to 6 completely uninspiring win over an American Athletic Conference team, then what is the point?
1: Yeah. Well, you're yeah. mad. Mighty- Gu- Gu- Gus is the Matt Kuchar of college football. <laughs> Yeah. I and will work? say, he, I, I, he's,
2: he's very dorky. I think he, he's a much better guy than Kutcher. Kutcher's a bad guy. Gus is probably a good guy. He's very much a dork. He's very much in over his head. He's very panicked, and he's just not – he does not inspire
1: confidence. I feel like if he was like a member of like, I don't know, like your your neighborhood association, and you're like, hey, we got to figure out a way to get the trash cans to the road, To be like, all right, cool, here's what we're going to do. We're gonna take the trash cans, we're gonna hide a dude inside of it, and we're gonna push you to the thing, and then in the middle of the night he'll pop out and flip over the trash cans, and then you'll run around and flip the neighbors' trash cans of yours. It's just too complicated, man. Just just put the trash cans by the road. Yeah. Well, I I can't I can't let this podcast in without a warning to some of the folks. We have a lot of international travelers that listen and we know that because we have Metrics that measure that. A lot of Europeans listen to this podcast. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about your San Francisco experience? And, I, and by the way, I go to I go to Napa, San Francisco, about once a year. Probably about every fifteen months or so, I'm out there. So I'm very, I've seen that city as as it's progressed over the last ten years. What was your experience? Your first time there? Well, it wasn't my
0: first time year there. I, I was. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've, I've been a few times, but I haven't been since probably twenty. I don't know, 12 maybe, 2013, somewhere in that. Went in 2008-ish, 2010 probably. But it was a bunch of the people that I went with first time to go. And I was kind of talking it up because I was quite a big fan of San Francisco um, in the past when I'd went. And I was mortified. I was appalled by the downtown area. So, you know, you hear a lot of the rumors of of how bad it is. And I, you know, I don't know how much of that. The people that I hang around with are the... uh, the San Francisco type in West Texas. So, you know, you never know what's true and what's exaggerated, but it was rough. And I know they're going out there for a few tournaments, you know, in the next few yeah,
1: years, it, but did we decide, is it the U S open or the, the PGA that's out there next year? It's, it's high, PGA
2: high. at, uh, at TPC Harding park.
1: Well, so again, there's a, there's another podcast out there, a golf podcast. They talk like to talk about taking a dump in the cup. There will be a dump in every cup at that San Francisco golf course. I can assure you of that.
0: Yes, it will definitely move the needle. Uh, no pun intended, but it will be a uh, <laughs> there
1: will be a lot of needles moved the week of that tournament. For yes, sure.
0: yes, it was. Uh, it was. It was. Anyways, it was a sight to see they can grow the game out there. Be a stark difference to the old white players only club or whatever the name of the course is this week, but. Uh, anyways, yeah, it was a it was an interesting trip, uh, Steve. I don't know your thoughts on it since you've gone out there a bunch, but hopefully they yeah, get I mean, it kind I, of restored to what it I,
1: used to be. It's a beautiful, unbelievable city. And, you know, those golf courses, by the way, Harding Park and Olympic, they're like right. I mean, if you awesome. drive through the city, you see them. It's just unbelievable how, like, kind of you essentially know, located that stuff is. And you can play Harding Park, right? I mean, it's a public course. I think that's right. Yeah, Olympic's private, but, you know, you can play that. And, I mean – it's just uh, you ride by it when on the way but I, you know I, I land in san francisco i go down to the ferry building maybe and i drive right across the bridge to sausalito and then all of a sudden you know the further away you get from san francisco the better things get northern california is just an unbelievable place and uh i i, I think i tipped you off to Heldsburg, mm
0: mm-hmm. mhm Heldsburg is great california
1: yeah which was which is a pretty cool place i think no, did you Anybody
0: shitting in public there or no? <laughs> I saw none of that in Heldsburg, no. Maybe a few golden retrievers, but no n- nothing nothing else. So.
1: That's acceptable, I guess.
0: Yeah. I think my draft I think I drafted my team in Heldsburg, actually, but anyways, yeah, it was a it was a fun trip. Good to get out a little bit, so. But yeah, San Fran was a little little different than I remember, but maybe they'll rebound. It's a good city. So. I'll, I'll still probably go back at some point, so. I, I just
1: hope Yeah, I hope the guys that are playing that in the PGA this year just, just for God's sakes, just clean your ball after it gets out of the hole. You know. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes. Well, I got, I got. We've obviously fallen off the rails here a little bit towards the end. So I got nothing else to say about the golf tournament. Your mighty Red Raiders and Matt Wells are two and zero. Big test Arizona this week. I know everybody will be glued, glued to their TV for a Big Twelve Pac Twelve after dark matchup, two juggernauts. So. Uh, be be watching that so i got nothing
1: it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to fill the vacuum of college football after south carolina beats alabama on saturday uh south alabama has not beaten south carolina at home since 1948 which uh is kind of like me saying that uh england hasn't beaten ethiopia in a war since 1948 you know like it's uh, we're gonna get our ass kicked, but fine whatever i'm looking forward to uh to it and uh, looking forward to watching golf again. Maybe we'll have some actual golf balls, golf shots to talk about next week.
2: Steven Garcia getting the afternoon off from bouncing to be the honorary captain.
1: So the university sent a private plane to pick him up. Uh, I think it was in an airfield around, I don't know, somewhere outside of Tampa, some trailer park that he lives in. And um, <laughs> they're going to fly him up. I think they're going to, they're going to, they say he's going to come out and lead this chant before the game. I I seriously doubt he'll be able to chant. I mean, more like slur. Um, and it's a 3.30 game. I mean, if it was a 9 a.m. game, maybe he could make it out there. But I, I if, if just let's just hope Steven Garcia uh, doesn't listen to this podcast because I feel certain he'll punch me in the face because he's got nothing to lose, you know what I mean?
2: But he knows that you can only drink all day if you start as soon as you wake up.
0: That's correct.
1: One day I'll tell you guys some Steven Garcia stories from college because I've I've got quite a few. Let's just say um, let's just say the dude likes to get naked and peeing on things. Oh. <laughs> well
2: that's a t- that's a tease.
1: And we're gonna be peeing on Alabama this Saturday <laughs> at three thirty. And I'm gonna be peeing uh, coming out of that suite on the Hootie and the Blowfish concert after I drink all the Tito's they got in the entire place.
0: Uh, rapid Fire, number one Hootie song.
1: Let her cry. Get out of here. Fats, you got a number one Yeah, let, let her cry. I'm going to go that Deep Cut. The, that might be the best song of all time. I'm going
0: to go it's Deep Cut. Movie. Look away off the Cracked Rearview album. I think it's towards the okay. end of the album. One of my favorite, probably my favorite hoodie song.
1: Deep Cut. Uh, it's been the last song I've heard before I've gone to sleep at least a dozen times. Which Maybe one? tonight it will be as well. The let one you just mentioned. I I love it. No, uh, you
0: Look just away. mentioned.
1: Yeah. Look away. I love it. Yeah, they got a cover album called "Scrambled," covered, smothered, <laughs> or something like that. Oh man, it's. uh, Listen, let's don't get into this. This podcast will go on another three or four hours. Could you beat Houdini in a golf match straight up, Darius? I'll yeah. beat the shit out of Darius. He sucks. You know, and this is the thing, right? So, uh, and I, you know, you always think if you won the lottery tomorrow and you could quit your job and focus on golf, you'd be pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. No you wouldn't you'd be exactly the same because i'm pretty sure you max out on golf when you're like 25 years old and you really you can get a couple of strokes better or whatever but darius is still shooting high 80s 90s i think he can shoot us in the 70s every once in a while but he's not i mean and this guy's got nothing to do i mean his life is unbelievable he'll travel to, to different cities and play a concert that night and he just goes and calls the product well i'm just making this up he goes to nashville to sing a song to do a concert that night calls the most prestigious private club in Nashville, says, "On hey, I'm Darius Rucker. I want to play your golf course. They're like, come on out. He plays and goes, sings a concert at night. I mean, he's living the dream, and he still sucks at golf. So that just proves that golf is not something that's attainable for you. Um, I don't mean you. I mean you, the listener out there. You suck at golf. You're never getting better at golf. There's no reason to practice all that hard. Just enjoy it. And uh, just quit the game entirely and listen to this podcast on repeat. will probably help your game more than anything. Mm -hmm.
0: Lower your expectations or quit. uh, Works for me. Yeah. All right. We're wrapping it up. That's it. We'll see you all next week. Y'all have a good one.